Disclaimer. Some of the topics discussed in this podcast will involve violent or otherwise triggering content. I'm not a lawyer or legal expert on any of these cases, and all of my opinions are just that. Thanks so much for listening, and let's get on with the show. Welcome to True Crime Updates, a podcast rounding up all the latest breaking news and updates on some of the biggest cases in the world of true crime. Well, welcome back to another episode. I hope this is okay. This this is a struggle. Um, I have pierced the most painful, apparently, part of my ear I could have possibly pierced, which I thought I'd already done. But no, I went up to myself. All that to say, I'm wearing a one-eared, like I'm wearing my, my headphones that I record with, but they're over one ear. So just imagine that, if you will, um, because one of my ears hurts so bad that when I open my mouth to chew, it throbs. So yeah, this is going to be short and sweet. But wow, thank you so much for all the listens in my previous episode. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thousands of you listened to that episode. It was my most listened to episode by far. And that's not a surprise because in the world of true crime, I don't know how you get any bigger than the Adnan Syed update. But we have some new updates this week, and in fact, I have some further updates on the Adnan case, as as well as another really, really high-profile case that I've followed since the beginning of this podcast. And so let's get right into it, and I hope the sound is okay, and imagine me with a little glass of wine sitting on the floor of my guest bedroom with the computer propped up on my cat's cardboard box house, holding one ear off the side of my head with my for my headphones, because that's the reality, but we're going to get into it as glamorous as that is and get you some updates. So thanks so much for listening. I also have three media recommendations for you at the end of this episode. Got some new good stuff. I feel like it's that time of year where all the good, good drops for streaming on Netflix and whatnot. There's some good stuff. Obviously it's spooky season. So that sort of, I think, increases the amount of true crime type content coming out. Um, and yeah, we'll, I'll spare you the rant, the kind of continued rant from last week, because as you know, I'm not a massive fan of a lot of true crime streaming shows like um, Dahmer, just because of the ethical reasons of capitalizing off of real people's trauma for views on Netflix. I tend to prefer the more documentary style things that actually shed light on real cases that need solving. And we've got a really good episode or really good recommendation in that vein. So Let's get into our top three updates first, and then we'll go from there. So the first update that I have is, I mean, basically toe-in-toe in terms of it just as big as Adnan, Adnan Syed's uh, update, but I'm going to save that for the second. I'm going to save the Syed update for the second and get right to it, because the really big breaking update that I suspected slash hoped that I would be able to share with you when I was recording last time and honestly, in my gut, I did not think I would have positive news to share on this front. I really had a bad feeling just because of the way that the trial was unfolding, that the outcome was not going to be what I and so many other people were hoping, but it was. And I gasped out loud when I saw this on my phone this week. So just two days ago at the time of recording, um, on Tuesday, Paul Flores was found guilty of the first degree murder of Kristen Smart, which is an update that people have been hoping for for 20 plus years now. Kristen Smart was a Cal Poly student who disappeared, was last seen on campus in 1996, walking away from a campus party accompanied by Paul Flores, who had a long standing reputation at that point already of being a massive creeper, of making women really uncomfortable, of being a stalker, of being somebody that you didn't want to be alone with. 
And he just went on really to continue this reign of terror made possible by the local police totally bungling this case from the get-go and failing to make any arrests or any convictions until March of 2021, when Paul Flores was finally arrested in his home after years of, honestly, I'm sure we'll never even know the full extent of being a serial rapist and abuser and now we know murderer. It was long suspected that he had to do with her disappearance and they were finally able to arrest him and then finally bring him to trial. This trial has been going on since July, I think. It's been a four-month-long trial. And what's interesting is they arrested his father, 81-year-old Ruben Flores, the same time. And so their trials have been going on in conjunction to each other separately, but at the same time. So there's been two different jury sets for each of them. Their trials have been held in different rooms. There's really been very little overlap in their trials. And their verdicts were reached approximately the same time. So both of their juries or both of their trials had their closing arguments. And then both of their separate juries went off to deliberate. Paul Flores' jury deliberated for, what was it, um, 20 days? Or I'm sorry, not 20 days, eight days. And I actually thought it was more than this, but it was actually only eight full days of deliberation. Ruben Flores, the father, his jury only deliberated for three full days. Then they came back together and read the verdicts aloud at the same time. It was like 1.30 this, this past um, Tuesday afternoon. And the jury found Paul guilty of first-degree murder. They acquitted his father. And that's just simply because we assume there wasn't enough evidence on him to definitively, you know, beyond, you know, reasonable doubt, link him to helping. What is suspected and what they weren't able to prove this go-around, at least, is that, or ever, is that he helped conceal the body under the porch of their house after Paul attempted or raped her. We're not sure, but um, it's you know, that was the charge brought against him is that he was attempting to rape her and then killed her, hid his, hid her body under his father Ruben's porch, where it has been probably this entire time. There was some suspicious activity and a neighbor reported seeing a trailer in the yard in 2020. And that's kind of when there became a real increased attention on this case again. And this is largely thanks to a podcast starting to sound familiar because this is like happening so often now that a podcaster is really at the forefront of getting justice for a cold case. But Chris Lambert does the podcast that I've mentioned many, many times on this one called Your Own Backyard. It's my favorite true crime podcast I've ever listened to. I think it's the best told story. And it's rare that there's a case that's gone cold for this long that has, you know, I don't want to say a happy ending because she was killed. We still don't have a body in this case. Paul no doubt knows exactly where her body is, and no doubt so does his father, who's now free, unfortunately, but, you know, 81, and hopefully he's going to live an absolute miserable life without a second of peace. That's my hope for him. But there is still no body, and it is really rare that in a case like this we would end up with as close to a happy ending as we can, which is now Paul is convicted. So he will be sentenced in December, but he's facing um, 25 years to life, and he's in his 40s as would Kristen B., where she's still alive. And, um, you know, it's the closest thing to justice for the Smart family possible at this point. I just had a bad feeling about the case because it was so, it was just a circus. There was no press, or no, there was press, but there wasn't video allowed in the courtroom. So everything that anyone was hearing about the case was basically coming from tweets from Chris Lambert, who was there the whole time, who was releasing weekly trial podcast updates. But it just seemed like a circus in that, Paul Flores' defense lawyers were just honestly clowns. They were just making these off-color jokes. 
They were kind of putting their foot in their own mouth. They tried to claim mistrial over and over for the stupidest little things. The judge kept throwing them out. They were just, I think they knew this was not going to go well for them. And I think they probably knew they didn't have much. And so really their whole strategy, it seemed like, was just to confuse or bore the jury with a bunch of statistics and just sort of like throw in everything they could at the wall and hoping something stuck and got them out on a mistrial. But that didn't happen. And what's interesting in this case is, and another reason I felt nervous was because we don't have a body. We don't have any concrete DNA evidence for sure showing that Paul killed her. What we do have is, of course, all this anecdotal eyewitness stuff of him being the last seen with her, him being a known creep, him being a known rapist in the area, that there was blood and soil tested under the house where we believe her body was kept, and it did show signs consistent with a body being kept there, you know, a body-sized shape, sort of like this spillage in the soil, like leaking fluid. Um, there was blood found inside the house. There was a lot of suspicious stuff with this trailer that was searched as far as like a body sized area of it having been recently bleached out. So there was a lot of things to me. I mean, everyone's sure in their heart he did it, but I wasn't sure that it would be enough for a jury to find him guilty, but they did. And so, yeah, he's gone forever. He's off the streets. He can't rape or harass or murder anybody else. It sickens me that it took this long, but I guess that's our that's our legal system for you. And I really, really hope, and I don't know if this will happen, but I hope that he now tells where her body is. Maybe there'll be some sort of a plea bargain on the table for him if he can tell where the body is. Maybe his sentence will be lessened. I don't know. I have no idea. But I just really hope that because I can't imagine how awful this continues to be for the family still not even knowing where she is. So that was the really big news this week. And again, Ruben Flores was acquitted, unfortunately. So just wishing him a life of utter misery, and I'm I'm pretty sure it will be, and also he's kicking the bucket before too long. He's 81. Now his son's in prison. Now everyone has proof of what they've suspected, and apparently he's been harassed, and this house has been, you know, had people outside of it for years, blah, 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 Crimea River. I hope that only worsens for him. And just, like, one little note on that. When I say I wish him misery, like, A, it's because I know he helped conceal her body. He had this cavalier attitude after the or after the conviction, after the convictions were read, he was just like, la-di-da, I'm going to go to Disneyland. Like, he always talks about Kristen Smart as that girl. Like, he never says her name, which is really telling to me. And he just had this cold, dead look in his eyes. And even after he was leaving the courthouse, he was like, yeah, it's sad for them. They still don't know what happened. And we don't know what happened to that girl. And it's just disrespectful. And I just despise the family. And I think they're such a bunch of fucking creeps. How does somebody end up like that? So if you want to know much more about this case, maybe you're new to it, maybe you just want to revisit it now that we have sort of an ending to it, highly, highly recommend Your Own Backyard by Chris Lambert, the original series, but then you can also work your way through the trial update episodes, and I'm sure that he's going to have a conclusion episode coming out soon. As far as what's next, I guess that remains to be seen um, in terms of his sentencing, and if anything comes out between now and then about being led to the body, we can only hope. And, um... Yeah, it's just really sad because she's out there somewhere, and I just really hope that we get that answer. Okay, moving on to our second big update, and when I left you last week, I was saying we would probably have this Paul Flores update, which we do, but I was also kind of on pins and needles because where we left off with the case of Adnan Syed is that his conviction had been overturned, he was essentially exonerated, but he was still on home arrest pending the return of the DNA results that we were waiting to see. And what happened with that since we last spoke 
is really huge. My dad gave me a heart attack because I was just going through my work day and he texts me and he's just like, just saw the news about Adnan Syed and no punctuation and no tone. So I was like, good or bad? I don't know. I Googled it so quickly. And what I saw was the best possible news, which is the DNA tests had come back and he has been fully fully freed. His name is cleared. It is dropped. There is no more possible pending charges or trials against Adnan Sayed for the murder of Heyman Lee. He is a free man. Zero, like, period. So he had been, like I said, on home arrest. That ankle monitor was removed. He is free to live his life however he wants because the DNA test, now we still don't know who the DNA you know, we don't know, like, tons of details about those DNA results, but we do know it's pointing toward Mr. S, who is a major player in the podcast serial. You probably know of him if you follow this case. He's the one who found Heyman Lee's body. And Bilal, who is a family member of the Syeds. Um, I believe I'm getting that right. I wasn't familiar with this individual, but the Reddit people sure are. And um, I don't know if I missed a chapter or something or just that flew over my head when I was listening the first time or the second time. But he is the second suspect in terms of who had motive. And I would assume that the DNA, this is the part I don't know. Does the DNA point to both of them? I'm not sure. But what I've heard is the state's really narrowing in on the two of them and particularly one of them. And I'm not sure which one it is. So as far as Adnan, in terms of this trial, it's over for him. He's out. And he's a free man. You know, he was exonerated and his case fell apart anyway, but then the DNA was like the final nail in the coffin. It's a poor choice of, it's a bad pun in this, in this case, but it was the, the final straw in terms of freeing him. It did not point to him. So he is out. He's, he's free. And so we will see, you know, what happens, what's next. We don't really know, but hopefully a new trial for some suspects who actually could have killed her. Hopefully some answers for the Lee family as far as what Adnan will do, who knows? It seems like he might be fairly, like, in the public eye because he, he's already kind of used his platform in a couple ways this week. I know he's been talking to Rabia, who is the host of many things, but who's been such a key figure in getting him free. I know she's trying to convince him to do a podcast. I don't know if that will happen, but he's not just, like, going off grid. He already gave a lecture, I think it was just today, at the University of Baltimore's Law School about his case. And, like, guest lectures. So that's pretty cool. It seems like he's going to be using his platform and his experience for good. I'm quite sure there's going to be more lawsuits as far as him getting millions for his, you know, wrongful imprisonment from the state. One can only hope. That doesn't give him his entire life back. But at the very least, I would expect that that's kind of in the cards for him in the future. And, yeah, so we're going to see what's next in terms of the suspects. And this is an ongoing active investigation by the state. And I really, really just hope the ultimate thing with this, and it's not over, it's over for Adnan, but I really hope ultimately we have answers about what happened to Hay that night. And I think there's a lot more media in the pipelines to come on this. I think there's going to be a final chapter of Undisclosed, the podcast. I've also heard there's ma they're making a new episode of the HBO special, The Case Against Adnan Syed. And if you want to go further into the weeds and really learn more about this case, then I would recommend the book by Rabia Chaudhry, which is also called The Case Against Adnan Syed. I haven't read it myself, but I may, like, over the holidays or something. And um, she just goes, like, she probably knows more about this case than anybody. So it's just... Such a fascinating and sad and upsetting case on so many levels, but really good news for Adnan Syed this week, and he is a totally free agent.
Okay, the other kind of big high-profile case that I have a, a update on, I feel like no update I ever share is ever going to be like as juicy or exciting as the two I just shared, because it really doesn't get much bigger than Paul Flores getting sentenced and Adnan Syed getting freed. Like, maybe I just wrap this podcast up now. Just kidding. But jury selection is underway for the Harvey Weinstein trial. This is his second time being tried, so I didn't realize this, but he was already tried in the state of New York and lost. And now he's being tried in L.A. for a second time. Well, for a second time in total, but two different states because he was indicted on charges in both states, hence the two different trials. And so his jury selection has been going on for 10 days now. The jury was picked. It sounds like they're finalized. They've got some backup jurors. And opening arguments are set to begin in on October 24th. He's been charged on 11 counts of rape and assault in L.A. And he was already sentenced to 23 years in New York. But it sounds like there is an appeal coming in that case, which makes this L.A. case extra important because not only do we need to see that fully carried out anyway for the victims there, but if he did win an appeal, it sounds like this is kind of the backup in case he gets off scot-free in New York. So more to come on that, but just a somewhat high-profile case that probably a lot of people have heard of. And yeah, it's been a relatively slow week. I was going to say it's been a slow week. It's been like the biggest week possible, but in terms of two really big cases. And there's some other minor stuff going on, but I'm going to save it for next time and try to keep this one a little bit shorter because that's that's our major breaking news this week. Huge, huge, huge stuff with Paul Flores. And um, yeah, honestly, hope he rots. Woo. Okay, and then as promised, I have some media recommendations. So I shared a little bit about this last week, I believe, but they have another episode out now and I am still loving and still recommending the podcast Rabia and Ellen Solve the Case, which is a new podcast by Rabia because I guess she doesn't have enough going on in her life. And it's her and Ellen, I forget Ellen's last name, but she's a Broadway star and a true crime junkie, but not a lawyer. So she's kind of the more like comic relief, normal person side of the podcast. And then Rabia's obviously like attorney extraordinaire. But they're going into these big high-profile cases, which is right up my alley, and sharing them in a new light, sharing stuff you might not have known about them, and trying to solve them. They've got two episodes out now. One was on the Scott Peterson, Lacey Peterson case, which I gotta say, after listening to that, my mind was changed, but I'm still really on the fence. And so now I'm a lot more interested to see what unfolds in the Scott Peterson upcoming possible retrial, and I'll certainly keep you updated on that. But I definitely viewing that case with a different set of eyes after listening to that podcast. So I would love it if you listened to that and then emailed me at updates at, sorry, true crime updates, plural, at gmail.com. A lot of you have emailed me, by the way, your thoughts surrounding the Dan Markell case, and I really appreciate all of your emails, and I'm sorry it took me so long to get back to some of you. A lot of people have really, like, personal ties to that case. So anywho, I just love hearing from you. Would love to hear your thoughts on the Scott Peterson, Lacey Peterson case in terms of do you think he did it? Don't tell me that unless you've heard this episode, though, because it really does go into a lot of information that was out there the whole time, but just not broadcast by the media. So listen to this with like a fresh set of ears and then let me know what you think. I'm very interested to hear. And I will say my mind was made up before, but now it's much, much more open and I don't know where I where I stand. So listen to that. It's great. And they just had their second episode drop today at the time of recording. And it's on the Chris Watts case, which is not really unsolved, but they are presenting some new angles to it that I hadn't heard. And it's with Gaten Maserato, I think is his last name, of Stranger Things. And it's kind of a delight. So listen to that. 
My second recommendation is Unsolved Mysteries, as I sort of hinted at at the top of this episode. Right up my alley in terms of actual, not sensationalizing people's pain, not turning it into a sitcom, but sharing actual real stories of cases that need solving. And it's a new season on Netflix. They've only released three right now, but there's more coming in this season. And so far, I've plowed through all three of them. And um, one of them, I was like, this isn't even unsolved. This is clear as day what's going on. And you'll have to watch and see what I mean. But two of them, I really, really hope they get some answers in soon. I mean, all three, but especially the two where there's someone out there who knows something about these killers. And it's just really heartbreaking to hear these family stories and not have answers. And I will say it's not as spooky as the first season on Netflix. Like, there's the original Unsolved Mysteries, but I'm talking about the newer seasons. The first one really freaked me out. This is like, I wouldn't, but I could watch it if I was home alone. Maybe. So go check those out. It's great. There's nothing like un- un- the Unsolved Mysteries. And, um, yeah, maybe skip to the alien one because that was, that was the one I was like, this is not unsolved. This is a mystery, but not really because it's aliens, duh. And there's no real, I guess there's no real mystery. We know it's aliens, the end, but it was fascinating. And anything with an alien, I'm watching that first. And then second is The Watcher, which I haven't actually watched myself, ironically, but it's out on Netflix. What I have read, though, is the actual original article about this real case that spurred the series on Netflix, which I will probably check out. It's got Jennifer Coolidge. It's got Naomi Watts. It's apparently okay. I'm seeing mixed reviews, but it's based on this real life, almost like real estate saga of this house that this family moved into years ago, but fairly recently, like mid 2000s, I think. And like immediately upon buying the house and moving in, started getting this series of really creepy, ominous letters from this anonymous sender who called himself the Watcher with these threats that just sort of continue to get more and more violent and bizarre. And to the point where the family like ended up not moving in and they were terrified. They tried to get local police involved. They hired detectives. They had all these suspects. They thought it was the neighbors, but like they never were really able to prove Anyway, I don't want to ruin the entire punchline, but I would suggest reading the article. I don't know about you. I love a good creepy, like, read actually above a watch. I would rather creep myself out from a book. And I used to think that's not possible. And then I read a whole things. I read The Prestige, which was a movie, is a movie with Christian Bale, an amazing movie, and Hugh Jackman, if you haven't seen it. And it's, like, gory and not gory. It's gothic. It's dark. But the book creeped me the F out. And I think I was in high school, but I'm pretty sure it was still. And then I was like, oh, I like reading creepy stuff. Anyway, then I fell into like a whole like Southern Gothic lit hole. And this was a really good read. It was on The Cut. And if you just look up The Watcher, The Cut, the article will come out. I think it's behind a paywall, but you probably get like the first one free. Really, really good article. And I don't know that the show will be able to live up to that to me, but it's out there if you want something kind of appropriately Halloween themed to watch. I would suggest checking out The Watcher. And those are all the updates I have, all the recommendations I have for this week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the Scott Peterson case, especially after, or only after listening to Rabia and Ellen solve the case. And shoot me an email for any time at any point if you have a case you'd like me to follow. If you have a case that you're like, whatever happened to so-and-so? Where do we stand with that trial? What's going on there? Whether it's anything big or small, let me know and I'd love to like add it to my list to keep tabs on. 
um, because I'm always looking for new updates to bring to you. Some weeks are slower. And so if you have something you want me to, to put on my radar, then send me an email at truecrimeupdates at gmail.com. Or just if you want to say any feedback, good or bad, I am trying to slow my speech down, but I get excited and like, sorry, it's just my voice. Um, or, you know, just tell me anything trivial, like what you're being for Halloween. I will say, please don't be anything gross. Like, please don't be Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't think I have to say that to you. But apparently a lot of people are being Jeffrey Dahmer for Halloween. And if you don't see what's wrong with that, then I don't think I can help you. But don't, just don't do that. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back with we. I, me, myself, and my cat will be back in, I'm aiming for exactly two weeks, but perhaps sooner if we have juicier updates before then. But I will be back in another couple of weeks. Thanks so much for listening.